scripture reading. It's 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. The uh, bulletin says that's page 1058 in the Pew Bible. It, that is, in fact, incorrect. It is page 1218 or 1218. If you would like to turn there and follow along, you're certainly welcome to turn your own scripture. But I will now read 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. That God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of God. of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight O God my strength and my redeemer Amen If we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins God is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning I'd like to take a few moments to use to talk about confession. I'd like to use as my point of departure that verse in First John. Confession. That's what I want to talk about for a little while. Very often when we think of confession, we think of spilling our guts of saying things which are terrible about ourselves because we are sort of on the spot and when we do so we conjure up all kinds of ideas of us having some awful feelings and we go through this act of contrition and uh, we just kind of uh, unload our minds so to speak of what is really causing us a great deal of discomfort I want to suggest that that is not exactly what is meant when scripture talks about confession. It is not primarily, it doesn't have primarily anything to do with our feelings. Rather it has more to do with truth. 
If we look up the word confession, it comes from the old Latin word, Latin word con and facio, meaning to agree with. More precisely, it means to call God to witness. As a matter of fact, that is the way in which I think St. Augustine used the term when he penned his confessions. It means that you are on a tight spot and you call God as your witness in a courtroom. And you listen to the testimony of God. And after God has given his testimony, you stand up and say, I agree. Now that is kind of difficult, or rather a little different than most of us imagine when we go to confession. We think that it's just a matter of us unloading those things that come to mind. That is not necessarily what's going on. We have to see those things in the light that God sees them. There are many ways to look at the world. And there are many angles from which you can see things. But there's only one angle from which you can see truth. And that's important when you come to this idea of confession. First John tells us that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. <clears throat> that's what we are striving for when we go for confession. I want to take a moment and ask you please to turn in your bulletins to the confession of sin included in the bulletin. <clears throat> Now, since we understand now that we are calling God to witness and we are agreeing with God about who we are and what He says about our actions, let's see how this confession printed here helps us to achieve that end. First of all, notice that it's a confession of sin, not a confession of sins. Now, for some of you that might seem... Well, what's the big deal? It's just an S, you know. But there's a little bit more involved <clears throat> than simply the omission of the letter S. When we begin with a confession of sin, we're really talking about our sin nature. And we're saying that we have a sin nature which leads us to commit sins. That's a very, very important idea, very important concept to grasp within the Christian faith. In other words, we commit sin because we are sinners and not the other way around. It isn't that when we commit a sin that makes us a sinner. That's not the way it works. We have a sin nature and because we have a sin nature, it leads us to commit sins. Remember Jesus said, a corrupt tree bring a forth corrupt fruit. <clears throat> That's how it works. This sin nature brings forth certain sinful thoughts, sinful actions, sinful deeds. This prayer, first written by John Calvin, <clears throat> does indeed address our sin nature. Look what it says. It says, Lord God, eternal and almighty Father, we acknowledge and confess before your holy majesty that we are poor sinners, conceived and born in guilt and in corruption. And then it talks about what comes, prone to evil, 
and unable <clears throat> of ourselves to do any good who by reason of our depravity transgress without end your holy commandments it's really there talking about our sin nature and that's what is at the root of our problem of course when you read that and you ponder on that the idea in a confession is not simply to repeat these words and move on but rather to pause and to say now is the time for the witness of God the spirit which resides within me to bear witness to the truth and say well how does that work in my particular circumstance <clears throat> what has been happening in my life <clears throat> excuse me what has been happening in my life and exactly what manifestations of sin have been evident in my life during the past week or so I believe when we go through that kind of exercise God does indeed bring to our mind the things that we really need to become conscious of and this is not simply then an exercise where we kind of say yes God I know I'm not perfect and uh, thank you very much uh, I know that you take care of my imperfections and I thank you for that and now having agreed with you on that uh, I'll move on and carry on smartly that's really not where we are going with this idea of sin rather we bring these things to mind and we start to examine them and then something <clears throat> really important needs to take place and that is something which we call repentance again repentance is as the scripture says godly sorrow and it just doesn't mean that you feel bad about something but rather that when you look at whatever it is <clears throat> that you've done or whatever thoughts you had in your mind or whatever actions you engaged in that you start to see those in terms of God sees them and scripture tells us again that God hates sin now if God hates sin when he brings to mind the things that we have done which violate his laws we have to come around to the point where we hate them too that's what repentance is all about that it brings us to the point <clears throat> where we start to see things through the eyes of God and we agree with God that they are heinous they are awful and that we hate them too why is that important? well it's important because if we never really come to the point of really hating it you know what's going to happen? You will repeat it. And that's why very often <clears throat> in our own lives we repeat the same sins. <clears throat> Bear with me folks, I hope this goes away. That's why we hope very often that we repeat the same sins again and again because we are really really not to the point where we hate it 
so much that we are willing to make an about turn and walk away from it. Sometimes we might hate the inconvenience it causes in our lives. We might hate the fact that we are exposed and people might know us for who we are. And we might hate many things surrounding, many things that we do. But we don't hate the thing itself. And unless and until we come that and we remain with that kind of attitude, then we are likely to go back. But when we come to the point where we take God's position concerning the matter, and we do indeed repent of it, and then make an about turn, because that's what repentance means, that we look at it, hit it, and then we decide instead of going this way, we are going to go the other way. And not only that we are going to go the other way, we are going to fight and stay hard on this particular path. That's what is involved in repentance. And it's important that we embrace this idea of repentance when we go through confession. If confession doesn't lead to repentance, then the confession is for naught. And if the the repentance is not heartfelt, is not godly sorrow, then it's just a human activity going on within us, and it's not really the work of the Spirit within our lives. God does bring us to the point where we see ourselves as He sees us, and we take action just like He has taken action. You see, the action that He has taken on our behalf is in sending His Son, and He did indeed die for our sins. We're not denying that. Yes, we're saying that is true. But, you know, after God has done all that, and after He has indeed paid the penalty for our sins, we still have to live in a world which is sinful and broken, and we still have to cope with a sin nature which we have within us. He has given us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is there to give us the power to overcome sin in our daily lives. But if we don't avail ourselves of that power, and we don't make use of the resources that He has given us, then we are going to fall back into that sinful life again and again, and we are going to become trapped in our feelings, and we are going to hear those voices saying, how could you really be a believer and you are thinking these kinds of thoughts and saying those kinds of things and doing these kinds of things, not realizing that it's really not about feelings. It is about what God has done for us, understanding that and letting our conscience come in line with the Spirit which resides within us. And when we do indeed do things which are wrong, God does inform us about it. He makes us feel awful with good reason. Why would God do that? That is God's way of bringing us back to Himself. And if we don't make use of that, then we become hardened. Then we become hardened in our sin. We become hardened in our sin. 
and we simply repeat the act again and again. If we are going to have any spiritual growth <clears throat> and not remain stilted like a tree that doesn't grow, we must go through this path of repentance. Confession leads to repentance. Repentance lead to us realizing that what we've done is wrong and then going to our Heavenly Father and asking for forgiveness. The verse says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How is he faithful and just? Well, he's faithful and just in forgiving our sins because since he has already placed all the guilt upon Jesus and Jesus has borne the penalty for our sins, he can't come now and justly punish us or hold us accountable for those sins. Why? That would be unjust and unfaithful because he said I will put it on Jesus Christ and he has done that but in order for our fellowship with him to remain vital and pure we do have to confess it's almost as if you know God always sees us through his son Jesus Christ there's no question at all about that but the question is how do we see God when we are a sinner? The cloud of sin comes between us and our God. And we don't see Jesus then as he is in all of his purity and in all of his beauty. Rather, that ugly face of sin intervenes and stands between us and that cloud therefore puts us into a real tailspin. That's what we have to take care of and that's where the cleansing of God is important in our daily lives. <clears throat> so, that <clears throat> so that the cloud can be removed and we can see God as he is and we can fellowship <clears throat> we can fellowship with him just as he wishes. If we don't do that, our relationship with God would never grow, would never be vital, and would never involve everything that God wants for us. Having shared these few words with you, what I would like to do at this point is invite you into a time of confession. I want to suggest, however, that this is not simply an exercise in simply repeating the prayer which we have here. But rather, I want to give you a couple of moments to read it through, making the necessary pauses along the way, and asking yourselves those penetrating questions. How does this apply to me? You see, what we have in church here is a general confession. But you are the ones who have to make it specific to your situation. 
I would not know necessarily what your thoughts are. But you know what? God does. God knows all things. And He brings to your remembrance those things which are necessary. If you allow the Spirit to work within you, He will indeed perform that work. So if you pause during this prayer and read it through, then I think it would become a more meaningful exercise for you. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we are going to pause for a few moments to allow you to read the prayer through yourselves before we make it our own in our service. Let's have a word of prayer. Almighty and eternal God, You are always more ready to hear than we are to pray. And you give us infinitely more than we can ever desire or even deserve. Pour down upon us, we pray, the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid, and granting us those good things for which we dare not ask, except through the merits and mediation of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take a moment, please, if you would, and finish reading the prayer through before we make it a confession of our own. Ye who do truly and earnestly repent you of your sins and are in love and charity <coughs> and are in love and charity with your neighbor and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking from henceforth in his holy ways. Draw near with faith to the throne of grace and make your humble confession unto Almighty God, saying, Lord God, eternal and almighty Father, we acknowledge and confess before your holy majesty that we are poor sinners conceived and born in guilt and in corruption, prone to evil, made of ourselves to do any good, who by reason of our depravity transgress without end your holy commandments. Therefore we have drawn upon ourselves by your justice condemnation and death. But, O oh Lord, with heartfelt sorrow, we repent and replore our infirmities. It will be your true penitence, beseeching that your grace may relieve our distress. Be pleased to have compassion on us, O gracious God, Father of all mercies, 
for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and in removing our guilt and our pollution, grant us the daily increase of the grace of your Holy Spirit, that by acknowledging from our innermost heart and our own unrighteousness, we may be touched with sorrow that shall work true repentance, and that your mortifying all sin within us may produce the fruits of holiness and righteousness while pleasing in your sight. O Lord. Amen. Hear now the comforting assurance by the grace of God promising the gospel to all who repent and believe. As I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, nor that the wicked, but that the wicked might turn from his evil way, from his way and live. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Therefore, unto us as many of you as truly repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with full purpose of new obedience, the Holy Scripture announces and declares that by the authority and in the name of Christ that your sins are forgiven in heaven according to the promise in the gospel through the perfect merit of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat>